Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Hello. Coming from you live from LA at 7 a.m. <laughs> On Saturday morning. <laughs> Mate, it's absolutely cunting it down here. Really? It's like biblical. Oh. Yeah, it's absolutely biblical. And I accidentally left my door open. Like, I've got like French windows in my bedroom. I know, right? Um, and <laughs> it's really. <laughs> such like a rich person problem I'm not rich uh, but like I left the balcony door open and my floor is like it. it's like someone's poured a pint of water oh, on it no. I was like fuck <laughs> what have I done so that's currently got a towel on it and I just ordered groceries from this thing called Wheezy not that we're advertising for them but if you want more coverage then please get in contact um, but they just delivered like wine chocolate pizza it's like anything you can get in a supermarket but they deliver it to your house in 15 minutes wow that's great it's like DoorDash do you have DoorDash? oh is that what DoorDash is? that's part of no. it no you've already got it well, I mean they okay, have cool. a bunch do you listen to Small Town Murder? They do yeah. They do like an advertisement. I don't know if you get different advertisements. I think we do. Because they do, all the time, they do an ad for Instacart. And it's basically like groceries. Oh. So. I thought you'd be more impressed, but you, are, you already I'm have it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Also, it's like 8 a.m., so what do you give a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, listen to Small Town Murder and get their Instacart deal. And Instacart, oh, yeah. sponsor us because we're pretty much the same as Small Town Murder. Yeah, I mean, we nearly got sponsored by Rape Alarms and I'm still hassling them, which is kind of <laughs> ironic. But um, <laughs> Well, we won't tell them the name because yet. we can't give them free advertisement. Absolutely not. Come on. We want to advertise your stuff. So I wanted to talk about, uh, you know how my brother always does like stupid shit? Yeah. Like last week I had like three or four people email me saying they were laughing because he woke up with snails on him. Like, <laughs> do you remember? Yes. They were like, please like isolate that sound clip because it made me piss myself. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> and then I was, so I'm on, fa- I'm only on Facebook really for the, uh, for the podcast. Yeah. I don't like ever really post on mine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like, you know, it highlights when your friends have posted on stuff. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been on Facebook for a couple of years, so it might have changed. I don't, do not fucking blame you. But um, sometimes it just lets you know when someone's posted on something. And um, so somebody, somebody posted, Sky Brown just won an Olympic medal age 13. What's your biggest achievement age 13? And my brother... Speaking to no one in particular, <laughs> this isn't at any, this is general public knowledge. <laughs> like, uh, he just put, I inhaled two entire balloons full of helium in a multi-story car park, passed out and almost had my head crushed by a passing car. Checkmate. <laughs> when he was 13, that was his biggest achievement. Yeah. Just and I was there that, just, and it was his that's birthday. just a statement to the world. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and I was there. It was his birthday, and we were in Basingstoke, which is like the nearest shopping town because it's got like a Primark yeah. or like a, you know a half de- half decent shops. So and like it, like. Andover never used to have a McDonald's or like a Burger King oh. or anything. So if you wanted wow. anything like that, you had to literally drive half an hour to Basingstoke. Wow. <laughs> so when we were kids, we were in the multi-story car park and he obviously had birthday balloons for some reason. Instead of just enjoying them like a fucking normal child, he decided to like bite it and like inhale the oh. inhale the gas to try and do a stupid voice. But like he's got asthma, so he just like inhaled two balloons with nobody looking at him. What? And like passed out we all just heard like a doof like and i turned around and we were like what's wrong with him <laughs> just like on the floor we're like tom tom and he was like oh sorry i'm fine i just inhaled two balloons worth of gas and we were like we took our eyes off you for two seconds was <laughs> like i'm was like his eight voice, was he trying <laughs> to make like, his idiot. voice high <laughs> yeah <laughs> for to make us laugh did it work or did he no. just pass out <laughs> No, he just passed out. He just <laughs> didn't even get the laugh oh, out of it. Oh no, what a waste. Also, very much 13-year-old boy thinking. Yeah, also, then on his 14th birthday, the dog died. So oh like... no. <laughs> Tom, what is your life? Oh, his life, man. It const- like He's my canary. Like <laughs> His life constantly makes me fucking piss myself. Wow. And he has a son now, right? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's just did I, part two right now. It is. It is part two. Yeah. It really is. Right. So did I tell you that he was like a plumber's assistant? I don't think he was so. a plum. He was a plumber's apprentice, and they had a hot water tank, and it was really old, and it needed emptying, and it's like a really shit job that you have to do. Like you know when you suck. Well, you know when people suck gas out of a gas tank. Yes. Like Otto oh, does in the Simpsons, no, the school bus. What are you gonna say? <laughs> His boss was like, right, you have to suck on this pipe to empty this gas tank, to empty this water tank. He went, and when you feel a rush of air come towards your mouth, let it go. And he went, all right. And then he said he didn't do it quick enough and he just got a mouthful of dead bees. (laughs) And then he went, and then when we finally opened it, it was like three inches thick with dead bees. Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) Slugs. Bees. What else? Oh is my there? god! His life is so horrible. <laughs> it's like a it's what is amazing. that? What is that British director's name that makes like really bleak films? Ken Loach. What film did he make? Oh, he's done from the sixties to now. No by mouth. Okay. <laughs> His first thing that he made was called Bleak Moments. That well, says it all. Well, there you go. <laughs> little little clue. Um, he's done yeah. films called High Hopes, Secrets and Lies, Topsy Turvy, Vera Drake. Oh, Vera Drake is not not a great film. No. That's about a woman who did backstreet abortions. Right. <laughs> Ken Loach, it's just That's got to be pretty shit. Your brother's like a Ken Loach film where it's just <laughs> bleakness after bleakness unfortunate incident yeah. after unfortunate incident <laughs> unpleasantness <laughs> but it's just like you couldn't make it up do you know what I mean you just really yeah, couldn't right you wouldn't go oh my god what's the funniest thing that would happen if you suck water out of a tank a mouthful of dead bees yeah nobody would think that <laughs> when's the where's the worst place you've woken up oh I was covered in slugs snails <laughs> snails snails same difference <laughs> yeah Oh, God. Hideous. Okay. Well, there's that segment of (laughs) Um, Tom's Adventures. We'll have that every once in a while. (laughs) 
Tom Stevens corner. Um, And then I also wanted to say that Marie, uh, me and Marie had a really good chat when I was drunk on Instagram. She just started talking to me and I was like, oh, hey, yeah. (laughs) Hi, Marie. (laughs) And she said that she heard about... Yeah, well, I've got a little bit drunk and just started chatting to her on Instagram. And she said that she uh, heard about us in Closer magazine. And I was like, are you sure you don't mean crime magazine? And she was like, no, I don't read crime magazines. I found you in Closer magazine. And I was like, we have fucking press coverage that I don't know about. Yes, we have to find that. Which really annoyed me. Apparently, she was like, I think it was like October time. (gasps) So we have to find that so badly. What the heck? And if anybody has that magazine or anything, please tell me, yeah. send me a picture. I need to know. Um, I, I just, um, I also want to say, like, thank you so much, everyone who's been listening to us and and telling us and rating us and, and Patreon followers and everyone. I, I feel like we haven't yeah. really said that for a while, especially about Patreon, but just want to say thank you because we really appreciate yeah. it and... We love hearing yeah. from you and what you enjoy I about the podcast. I love hearing from the podcast listeners. Yeah. Because the podcast listeners are nearly always like our people as well. Right. Like they want to talk about true crime yeah. and they don't care about swearing <laughs> and they are just like, my kid's a dick or like my life's shit and I don't care if I say it or not. And like, they, stuff understand, like that, you know? <laughs> they understand sending drunk texts and, and making best friends in the bathroom <laughs> when you're drunk. Yeah, Um, and I'm all about that. You guys get us, and thank you for listening, and uh, we love you. We Oh, God, I really do love you. Yeah, so if you want to support us on Patreon, then there's um, some episodes on there that are not public, and we'll also send you a sticker and a handwritten note. Yes. Um, So if you want to join Patreon, then feel free. Yeah. We also have Buy Me A Coffee, uh, if you want to just, like, do something that's, like, a bit quicker than Patreon or a bit cheaper. Uh, and then if you've got no money, which a lot of us don't have at the moment, which totally is get it. perfectly yeah. understandable, uh, then you can review us or just tell a friend. And we've had three lovely reviews recently, which I'm going to post on yeah. Instagram. I've already posted one, but I'll post the others. They've been so sweet. They've said stuff like, I feel like you're our friend, like you're my friends and stuff. And it's just like, we are your friends. <laughs> it's just so cute. We are your real friends. Um we are. Is that the song? Yeah. Your friends. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any true crime news? I don't. Not this week. I have been working so much. I've been working till like 1030 every night. So. Why? Um, the... Are you getting paid for that? Yeah. Good. Um, you get paid overtime. Yeah. We have uh, a documentary that we're putting out soon and we have to like, it's like crunch time. Like we have to deliver it to the network. It's D-Day. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's why I've been staying late because obviously when uh, you have to hand something in and everything goes wrong, so that's what's been happening. Uh huh. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I've know I've known a few TV people in my life, and they're always like, even if you were dying, somebody would be like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Can you hand me the tapes?" Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so where's that link? Like it's really urgent. Like. <laughs> The people are fucking serious about getting it done at the last yeah. minute. So, yeah. Well, don't work too hard. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Take your vitamins. Yeah. Have a nice bath. One good thing Be about production yourself, offices Rachel. is there's always snacks. There's always good snacks. That is good. Yeah. That is really good. Yeah, and LA does good snacks like tacos and donuts and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you have, like, additives and stuff that are, like, banned here. So everything <laughs> tastes a little bit weird, like, stronger. <laughs> like stepping into a rainbow yeah this is what it's it like, tastes fucking, like well do you know what 
that's a great link because this week's theme yes (laughs) right yeah this week's theme is basically drugs made me do it because last week we spoke about dare and snap so snap is say no and phone Uh uh-huh and dare is Drug drugs against no. resistance education. Okay. And the the phrase is cool. dare to say no. Okay, right. Yeah. So yeah. So say no and phone, dare to say no. Very similar yeah. situation. Uh, also, can I just say, can I just tell you a story that happened today? I sold an old TV and bought a new one. Ooh. I sold the old old one for a fiver and I bought the new one for twenty pounds. This is all off eBay. Yeah. If anyone wants to buy any of my old dresses, by the way, Tallulah underscore Stevens. I'm like really saving money at the moment. <laughs> so if anyone wants to buy any of my old shit, then that, that's where I'll be selling Go it. Go to eBay. Um, this is a great anyway, place to I, do that. It really yeah. is, right? And it's good for the environment because, and also, these. I looked at these dresses like, these fuckers are too good for charity. Right. Like, They're great. I'm not giving this to a charity shop. It's I'd buy like, them. These are lovely clothes. Yeah, I sent you all the pictures, didn't I? That's yeah. how like, oh, like, <laughs> that's how little shame I have about boring the fuck out of you. <laughs> I'm like, look at everything I've done. And you're like, well done. Well, actually, <laughs> well done. speaking of things that you sent me this week, I you sent me that video that about the, the bus. <laughs> no, it wasn't boring. Oh, yeah. And I showed a couple of people at work because like, we were having a bad day at work. And I was like, here's something that'll cheer you up. Love that. So made a couple of people laugh. Uh, I should, I should, I should post it on the Instagram. Yeah, but it's basically, I was stood in the bus in the pissing rain, and like basically, I try so hard every day not to get an Uber and to get the bus mm. because, like, obviously, a bus is half the price, better for the environment, and it all adds up. Yeah. And as I said at the moment, I'm being a cheap ass because I want to save for a house deposit because, like, it's just time. Yeah, it's time. To stop being a fuckhead, so like I'm like just stop, just stop being a fuckhead all your yeah. life. So I was like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make like wise financial decisions. So I like downloaded an app that like looks at all your finances and all your shit mm-hmm. and makes sure that you're not like overspending and it just kind of like puts into perspective what you spend all your yeah. money on. Yeah. And for me, it's ta- it's taxis. Oh um, wow. So. Like, because I drive, but in Bristol, parking is such a fucker, yeah. and like. And I usually go out to drink, and then I don't take my car. Right. So, tax. Uh, so I get Uber, and Uber's Uber's actually pretty expensive here. Um, what is it? It's like te- it's like can be from like like seven to fifteen quid oh. per ride, oh, wow. which is a lot of money. Yeah. Like each time, yeah, on your own, yeah, forward and back. Right. I'm lying. Like I'm lying to myself if I'm not telling you that I've spent 50, <laughs> like a thirty pounds on taxis in one night. I mean, not cool. Yeah. Um, Try that in LA. It's, <laughs> so yeah yeah the same but yeah, yeah i get it so yeah i was like i need to get the bus right so i stood there waiting for the bus and it came around the corner and i put my arm out which is what you have to do here otherwise sometimes mm-hmm. they don't stop yeah because i think i'm not the right bus for you i'll just go yeah. so you, i put my arm out and the guy made fucking eye contact with me and he was like a middle-aged white man looked like a potato <laughs> and like he just fucking stared me straight in the eyes and just shrugged his fucking shoulders and his hands like alan partridge like gif like just like, hmm, like whatever. Like, I just drove past me and I was like, there was no one there. So I couldn't look around and be like, who, what this dick? What is this? What, who is this dick? Like, yeah. So I just had to basically like bend over and take it up the tailpipe. <laughs> and then I got an Uber. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but it was your but, um, bus, right? Carly it said, was like, it was my bus, yeah. And it does stop there. What the hell? 
yeah, and then Carly said complain on Twitter, so I did. I didn't think anything would happen, but I realised that in Bristol, some hero has made a bus Twitter that that just takes the piss out of how shit the buses are. Oh. Like, that's its only job. That's amazing. <laughs> and they replied to my tweet just with the Alan Partridge gif, like, shrugging. <laughs> uh, but then the actual bus people replied and were like, we're really sorry that this happened. Like, we're going to... You could see it all on Transatlantic Crime Twitter. Like, it's all there for public to see. They're like, really sorry this happened. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on the the bus Twitter that makes fun of Bristol buses. That person (laughs) is a hero. Have a look at it. It's it's really funny. (laughs) And it's also tagged on ours, so it's really easy to find. Um, Because I didn't know what... There was two, like, first bus Bristol. I didn't know which one was the official one, so I tagged both. (laughs) And one of them was just to take the piss. (laughs) (laughs) um and anyway they replied and then the next day i was waiting for the bus guess who fucking drove the bus and had to stop for me only only mr Uh... mr potato head (laughs) did he look i didn't say anything was it awkward i just i was like oh my god i was like maybe i got him in real trouble so i was just like oh shit snuck on the bus But they were like yeah we're gonna feed back to the depot because i said like it was this bus at this time so they know who's driving it so and he knows he who said off. it. Fucking hope so. <laughs> Fucking spuddy cunt. <laughs> but yeah, that made a few people at the office laugh. Oh, it's just very British. Good, too. it's a good effort. Very British. <laughs> Especially because I put my two yeah. fingers up at the end, which American people don't do. <laughs> right. Okay, so our st- our stories this week are about fucking people who take drugs and go mad. Um. Well, mine's not. But uh, okay. you're, you're first. Well, maybe, well so. that's how I've interpreted yeah, it. Yeah, that's how you interpreted ha- it. It could be interpreted like a few ways. Like, yeah. As can all our themes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. Rachel, you're getting sassy. <laughs> I'm rubbing Got off on you. Got a new lease on life. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm first. You are first. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of Daniel Appleton. Okay. And this happened fucking last year. Oh. And I never heard about it. I never heard about it on the news. Really? And it is crackers. I don't know how I didn't hear okay. about it. It's fucking mental. Okay, so. Um, Daniel Appleton, 38, and his wife Amy Appleton, 32, met in 2006. They lived in Crawley Down, which is Crawley Down. <laughs> Right, how funny that sounds. Which is a village in West Sussex in England. Oh. There's one church, one school. Like it's like that kind of village, tiny. like tiny. Yeah, and it's very close to East Grinstead, which is the fun fact home of L. Ron Hubbard. Really, the uh, founder of the Church of Scientology. Yeah. Okay. And that's where my friend Sarah Joy is from, and that's why she's obsessed with cults. Oh. Because there's like four. There's like four cults in West Sussex. Really? What is in, in the water? Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know. They just all group there. Hmm. All right. So Daniel Appleton was a partner in a successful specialist garage, and he owned two houses, four Audis, as in Audi yeah. cars, and two classic cars. Amy was a primary school teacher and had been for 10 years after she graduated in 2010. And there's like a lovely picture of her and Daniel at her graduation that you can see online. Um, Amy's family described her as a strong, positive person who always smiled. So the couple got married in 2018 and it was like generally reported that they were in a really happy relationship. So until... (laughs) But then... (laughs) And then... So... 
On Friday the 21st of December, uh, Daniel Apperton went on a night out with his friends and he described to Amy how he felt a deep attachment to them and believed that they were his guardian angels. Mm. Um, that could be a pissed up thing that you say or it could be a really weird thing to yeah. say depending on who you are. Right. If you're normally emotional, then maybe not. But if you're not an emotional person, you come out with that, someone might be like, what? Yeah. I think they must have um, mentioned it because it was out of character. So... Um, Was he watching the next Touched thing he remembered? An angel. Do you guys have that show over there? Yeah. No. <laughs> Was it? It was this really popular show in the '90s called Touched by an Angel, and it was like this Irish actress. Everyone loved her. What was her name? Oh, she was touched by an angel. Yeah. She was an angel and like it was just like this cheesy show where shit would go wrong for someone and then an angel would come down and like save the day and it was a drama. It wasn't a comedy or anything like that. It was just so cheesy. God damn it, that's feel good. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Okay, nice. So Uh, Maybe we did have it here, but I obviously didn't watch it. I'm rewatching The Handmaid's Tale right now. I don't. I only like watching stuff where their life is shit in the mind. I need to catch so, up on that show. I I'm rewatching it from the beginning because so much has happened in between. Yeah. Like it takes ages, like for a new season to come out. Yeah. So, and it's a shame that like Elizabeth Moss is in it because I think she's a great actress, but she is a fucking massive Scientologist. Yeah, I think she's a little weird, but I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen any, like, interviews or, like, press stuff with her. I might go down a bit of a Elizabeth Moss hole. In, and she was great in Mad Men. And I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know she was a Scientologist in, then. Uh, press stuff, she's just normal. Like, I don't think that she really she? presses her Scientology. Like, I think she knows that people find it uncomfortable. No. So I think it's just yeah. known that she I w- is I want to know. I want to know if she became one or if she was born one. I think she was born one. Right, okay. That's a bit different. Yeah. You can't help like who you're born to. Right. But you can say this is mental. But yeah. I guess I think like and this is just my personal opinion, that Scientologists who are celebrities get a much better deal than regular Scientologists. Oh, yeah, for sure. So like they're advertising. It, you can it. be a Scientologist. Yeah. And it's like you can be a Scientologist, but it's not really Scientology. Like they're not re- they're not gonna fucking punish you or like throw you in a thing for like years because someone would notice so yeah they treat you really well yeah yeah there's an interview that i was listening to with uh the actor giovanni rubisi do you know who he is he's been in like no. friends What's he in? And, um oh, okay he was like phoebe's like younger boyfriend who's kind of dumb at one point oh yeah 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 But he was born into Scientology and he was talking about in this interview, the person was asking him about it and he was like, it was just like regular, like you go to church on Sunday and that's it. Like it wasn't really anything else. They've got it good. Yeah. Fine. Just kind of proof that, that, uh, you know, for them it was like in quotes, like normal religion. Whereas for everyone else, it's Mm -hmm. like pay all the money and go sit in a box somewhere and torture yourself get hit by david miscavige (laughs) (laughs) or just like shipped off into a fucking like shed in the middle of nowhere and no one knows where you are and clean with a toothbrush like david miscavige's wife yeah yeah free david miscavige's wife if she's still alive so okay so he he was going on about how he felt like his friends were his guardian angels and everyone was like what okay and then the next thing that he remembers 
was his wife Amy making an his making a hysterical phone call to his parents as he lay silent and motionless on their sofa. Oh, wow. Okay. So then he blacked out again. Yeah. And then he woke up the following morning and he got Amy a cup of tea in bed. But then his mood changed. According to him, he said, I seem to remember being in the bedroom. Amy was in bed and I said to her, tell me you love me and you want to have kids with me. What? He made himself... Yeah, so he said, tell me that you love me and that you want to have kids with me. He told her that she had to go outside of the street and shout that she loved oh. him and she wanted to have his children. Okay. Okay. So, and he, and he also commented that he believed that he was being watched as he stood at his bedroom window. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So the couple went downstairs and Amy Amy was like, well, this is what this is how he recalls it. Mm. So it may not have happened this way. Okay. He recalls that Amy agreed to shout it in the street. He said, I seem to remember going downstairs and her sort of slipping on her slippers. Do you have slippers in America? Yeah. What? <laughs> what kind of call, question call, is that? No, I mean, like, what do you... No, I know you have them, but, like, what do you call them? Do you call them, like, house shoes no, or something? slippers. Like... <laughs> okay, cool. I don't know. Some weird... Um... <laughs> oh, foot pads. <laughs> foot pillows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought you might call them something different. So I followed her downstairs, and I believe she went to the front door and opened it to shout, I love Daniel, and I want to have kids with him. Okay. Dude, she's fucking married to you. Like, what more do you yeah, want from her? I mean, <laughs> at this point, it could be, like, a funny thing. Like, maybe she, I hope she thought it was funny. Otherwise, I'm trying to picture this whole scenario and her being like, okay, I, I'll do that for you. And then oh, she, she thought he it. was really drunk still. Yeah, just trying to also, appease he could him. Have been being, yeah, like he could have been being really scary and threatening. Right, that's that's well. what I'm picturing. Like, she's like, okay, I'll, I'll yell it. And then she yells and he's like, no, you have to yell louder than that. Yeah, like how far is this going right. to go? Yeah, so he sa- then he says, I think I remember her shouting that. I shut the door and Amy tried to get back in. Aww. We were just toing and froing at the front door and she said, Why won't you let me in? Okay. So this sounds So he stressful. like locked her out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember her saying that. We were just pushing the door to and from each other. I remember going outside and I remember seeing Amy on the floor and thinking she was hurt. I don't remember going over to her. I just remember being outside and the car and Amy was there. And I seem to remember people about, but I can't remember where. Okay, so that's his recollection. Okay. Meanwhile, at 10.15am on Saturday morning, their neighbour Yvonne Greenwell was in her bedroom when she heard Daniel screaming, I've had a fucking enough of this, I'm fucking done with this. She decided to call 999 because she then heard him shout, I could murder you. Whoa. So this is all witness statements yeah. now. Um, another neighbour, Susan Kipps, said she looked out of the window look out of her window at 10 30 a.m so the first witness was 10 15 and then 15 minutes later susan kipps looked out the window and saw daniel appleton walking around his driveway naked oh she said later he seemed very agitated and angry he was sort of puffed up and behaving totally differently his eyes weren't right it was as though he had turned into the incredible hulk Jeez. he looked like he was on another planet and had lost the plot he looked big bold and scary that is scary. He started beating Amy. That is fucking scary. So she witnessed him beating Amy until she was unconscious on the floor. And then a local woman, Sandy Seagrove, who's 76, uh, walked past and saw this happening. And she tr- and she like went over and tried to help mm. cross the street. 
And then another neighbour, Janet Sprague, was out walking her dog when she saw Daniel Appleton beating 76-year-old Sandy Seagrave with her walking stick. Oh, my gosh. What yeah, is he on? So Sandy... Uh, wait, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, <laughs> something. It's coming. Um, so, yeah, Sandra Seagrave maintained an active lifestyle um, despite needing a stick after she injured her leg in 2018. So Janet Sprague saw him grab the walking stick from her, jab her really forcefully in the torso, and then he proceeded to batter her and Amy repeatedly with it. No. He then threw the stick down before lifting his arms and shouting at the house, you all think I'm a fucking nutcase. You all think I'm crazy. Well, I'm going to show you that is what I am. Uh, Yep, you'd be bang on the money there, son. I know I've killed my wife and I know I'm going to prison. So... After the attack, he headed back inside, got into the loft or the attic, jumped out of it and threw himself down the stairs. He then took a large kitchen knife. And this story is a real roller coaster. Um, My faces right now are a roller coaster. I know, right? (laughs) You are are aghast. (laughs) He then took a large kitchen knife and stabbed himself five times in the chest, slashed both his upper thighs, tried to cut the arteries in his legs and his neck... Uh, cut his calf muscle and his forearm in a very determined suicide attempt. Oh, wow. Amazingly, that didn't work. So he was still alive when he was found. What the... So He must have done a bad it's insane job. insane that that didn't work. Must have done a fucking shitty yeah. job. Onlookers rushed to try and help the two women, but despite their best efforts and the ambulance staff, Amy was found lying on the driveway and San- Sandra Seagrave was left lying in the street. Oh. Both of the women had suffered catastrophic head injuries and were pronounced dead at the scene. Wow. Also, so didn't you police say this found... is a tiny, tiny town, like village even? Yeah. Like, a, imagine One nothing, church, one school. Nothing like this ever happens. Everyone. And they say that there was, like, an audience, basically. Wow. Like, once it happened, like, everyone came out of their houses and gathered. So... Onlookers rushed in to try and help the two women once Daniel had disappeared. Um, Sorry, like I said, but despite their best efforts, um, they couldn't save them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the police went in the house and found Daniel naked in a pool of his own blood in the family kitchen. During his arrest, he's still conscious. What? Which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, during his arrest, Daniel Appleton continued ranting, saying, and, like, this is gross, what he says. Mm -hmm. I want to fuck you so hard, you better get my wife here. I know I've only... <laughs> this is funny. I know I've only got a small willy. Oh. <laughs> Which is... I don't know, the American version of that would be like Pecker. Yeah. <laughs> or like, what would it be? Dick. Dick's ruder than willy. What's like a really not rude word for a dick? <laughs> Johnson? <laughs> mm-hmm. what, would a, what would a little boy call it? Just a pee-pee? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Pee-pee, yeah. yeah. Because if you're, a, if you're a little boy in England, you would call it a willy. Right. That's like a not a rude word for a penis. Right, it's a very it's, innocent, so it's a kid's word. innocent word for it. Yeah, yeah, so it's what a kid would call yeah. it. So he says, I know I've got a small willy. Amy, get my car, which is his wife, who he's just killed. Got to start my car. Make me hard. I want to get out and fuck my wife. Fire up the quattro. What? And I was like, what the fuck is a Quattro? And apparently it's a type of Audi. So it's an Audi Quattro. One of his, his four car, Audis. Like his fancy car. Yeah. 
fire up the quattro <laughs> with your tiny willy. Fucking I'm going to start saying that so, for my Honda. Fire up the Honda. Fire up the Honda. <laughs> I've got a Honda. <laughs> Not surprisingly, he went through three psychiatric assessments before his trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on remand as well. Like, he wasn't allowed bail. Okay, good. Because um, obviously he's unbelievably dangerous. Yeah. They considered him to have experienced a brief psychotic episode with hypomania- with hypomanic symptoms at the time of the killings. Samples of his hair and nail clippings later revealed very small traces of a psychoactive substance similar to LSD. So he was on a hallucinogenic drug. Don't know what it was. Okay. So Daniel Appleton accepted responsibility for the murders, but he said he wasn't on drugs. And that the hair, this is ridiculous, that the hair and nail samples that came back as positive were as a result of him being around drug users while on remand in prison and him passively absorbing them. Okay. I don't know what you know about drugs, but obviously not a lot. No. Unless you drank their piss or they coughed in your mouth. No way. Right. That, That is not a thing. So he said the only time that he had ever taken drugs was when he was on a trip to Amsterdam when he was in his 20s, because he's now 38. Okay. I mean, haven't we all? (laughs) Yeah, but clearly that's not true. No, clearly not. Well, it's physically, it's an impossibility. You are lying. So he told the jury his mental health had started to collapse in the days leading up to the murders. He told the jury also that his memory of the murders was like a videotape on fast forward. Yeah, he could replay it in fast forward. It sounds like you're on drugs. So you do remember it. Yeah. I've never done hallucinogenic drugs, so I don't know what your memories are like on hallucinogenic drugs, like mushrooms or whatever, but... It depends. It uh, just depends. Like, if it's something not mushrooms are natural, you're going to remember everything. Yeah, and LSD is... A chemical, chemically yeah, made, I've never done, man-made thing. I've never done anything like that, like LSD or acid, because this is the kind of story that terrifies me. This is what happened. Yeah, to not do it. <laughs> like something that completely exactly. and makes this... you, like something in you switch. I just don't like that. Yeah. Why would you re- even risk it? It can't be that worth it. That's what I think. I mean, I guess it can be amazing. It can't, I just think it can't be. Yeah. Oh, just you can make your own life amazing. Like, <laughs> Have a few drinks. Or, you know, just take something that just take something that won't make you potentially batter your wife and an old lady to death yeah. with her own walking stick. Why not try that first? Or <laughs> if you really want to try, if you really want to try it, just try a tiny bit. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, people little dabs will do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people <laughs> get in this situation where they just go overboard. And then this is what happens. Yeah. Like, they don't know themselves. They don't yeah. know their bodies. They don't know what they can handle. Just step into yeah. it. Like, just test the water. Anything. Anything. Little dabs will do you first. Right. <laughs> See if you like it. See what it does. Yeah. See if you don't murder anyone. Yeah. Then go ahead. <laughs> uh, phone record showed that he had searched for information about magic mushrooms 11 days before the killings. And then traces of powerful synthetic hallucinogens were found in samples taken from him from him during his treatment while he waited for trial of in prison. Of course, so of course there were. Yeah, so a forensic, of course. <laughs> so a forensic pharmacologist said he believed the behaviour was characteristic of a drug called, and I I might Google this after because it seems super interesting. But and where the fuck would you even get it? In brackets, two five one end bracket. Mm-hmm. 
N-B-O-M-E, a highly potent synthetic version of LSD. I have never heard of that. Like, Where in that tiny town that did he seems... get that from? Yeah, someone of his, someone of his mates in London. Mm. Someone in London <laughs> has given you that. No one has given you that in West Sussex. Yeah, but he denied that he took any drugs, uh, and he blamed anxiety over starting a family and stress the at work bullshit. for the murders. That's really so touched saying, a nerve for me. Oh, that's really fucked me off. Honestly, that's like. Um, Oh, my wife is like, I want a baby and it's really stressed yeah. me out to the point where I've basically had to batter her and an old yeah. lady to death. I just went nuts. Oh, someone else's fault, is it? I went nuts. Someone else's fault. I was so stressed, I yeah. went nuts and had to kill two people. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Fuck you, you baby. Like, take take responsibility for your own actions. What is that? Which is obviously ingesting. <laughs> what? What? The... Uh, the... Clearly, it's like... Oh, the Mark speech. What? <laughs> Are you on about the peep show Mark no, speech? No, I was going to say says, men uh, will literally take LSD and kill their wife oh. before going to therapy. <laughs> yeah, like Elon Musk or whoever or yeah. Jeff Bezos, like men will go to, sh- to space in a penis-shaped yes. rocket rather than go to therapy. Yes. <laughs> so, um... So his friends and family said that he'd been acting strangely in the period leading up to the incident. His father, Gary, said that he was concerned about the behaviour of his son in the days leading up to the deaths. And in a conversation with his mum on December the 22nd, he said something, he said, and I quote, something amazing has happened. I feel like I'm going to live forever. I feel like Jesus. I feel like God. Okay. That would worry me to the point where I would be like, we need to take you to the doctors. Yeah. Delusions of grandeur, right. especially when related to religious stuff, is like a massive red flag for mental health. Yeah, anytime like, someone starts talking about episodes, how they think they're God, it's a red or Jesus, flag. Or God's talking to them, or Jesus is talking to them. Huge red flag. Yeah, That's psychosis, like in a nutshell. Yeah. But, you know, people don't know that. I only know that from watching loads of shit about people who had psychosis because I went down a ho- psychosis hole, right. obviously. <laughs> so, uh, actually, great um, Louis Theroux documentary on people who are in a psycho- psychiatric hospital because they're not allowed. It's like um, America's Broadmoor. Yeah. Like, right. They're criminals and they're not allowed to be in general population because they're not responsible for their crimes. Right, right. I think it's called like not criminally responsible or not responsible or Ooh, something like that. Look for the it. Louis Theroux documentary is, oh, dude, it's so good. It's two parter. Mm. Um, so uh, Nicholas Corsellis QC for the Crown. So uh, that's basically the prosecutor. Said, do you see the overall picture? The fact is, there were drugs in your blood, and you were searching on December the eleventh, and you had taken them before. It's therefore a coincidence because you say your psychotic episode was brought on by stress at work. You say yourself that you are a self-absorbed person who overthinks things and this led and this led you to commit such horrific violent acts and he just replied yes. Mm. So he's like it's it's purely a coincidence that I was googling drugs. There was drugs in my blood and I'd taken them before. But it's just purely a coincidence because I was uh, stressed at work and stressed about having a family. I, I was going to say, is there a possibility that somebody slipped something in his drink? But I would think that 
it sounds like he's the kind of guy that if that had happened or if the, he thinks there was a chance that that happened, he would say that. He would blame someone else. Also, he's Googling he's Googling mushrooms on December the 11th. Right. Yeah. And then on the 22nd, he's gone fucking ape shit. So I think he either was like microdosing, like taking a little bit every day, mm. or he took loads at once. Right. And like when he was on this night out and it just all Man, went fucking massively how peaked guilty off. does that person, whoever gave it to him, wonder how guilty they feel? <sighs> I hope pretty guilty. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, or, you know, maybe he just got it himself, like off some drug dealer. Yeah, that's true. Like, so the prosecution said to him, not only has this devastated family and friends, but the lives of the 30 children that your wife was teaching at the time. Cause she's a, like a primary Aww. school teacher. How sad is that? Yeah. In a little village as well. Like everyone knows each right. other. All the kids know each other. Yeah. Um, she had an aura of warmth and friendliness her sudden death has robbed her of a fulfilling future. She wanted to be a mum and to raise a family, and you've robbed us of sharing this dream. Mm. So horrible. Yeah. Um, so after a six-week trial, which is fucking annoying, because that means that he pled not guilty. Oh, who does he um, think he is? I know. He needs a slap The from only his mom. reason he really does. So after the six-week trial, the jury at Hove Trial Centre took two days to reach a unanimous guilty verdict on both murders, fucking weasel. He cried throughout the trial and the hearing. What? And said, yeah, it's called a come down, mate. And said, yeah. I'm devastated. <laughs> I'm devastated, absolutely devastated by what has happened. Yeah, I bet you are, to you. You've ruined your life. I bet that's all he's fucking worried about. I'm so um, sad. I'm so sad that I'm such a fucking dick. Uh, yeah. Mr. Justice Nicholas Hilliard, QC, said, I sentence you on the basis that you took a new psychoactive substance and under the influence of this committed these murders. And this, I think this is really important mm. and really um, poignant thing for a judge to say. Anyone who takes new psychoactive substances, which are class A drugs, is interfering with their own mental processes and are responsible for the consequences. Yes. Thank you. Completely fucking on the like nail on the head well done justice nicholas hilliard yes <laughs> like, you put that thing in your mouth of your own free will yeah and you knew there's a chance yeah amazing uh so he was sentenced to life in prison on the 25th of january 2021 that was january this year wow like to serve a minimum of 26 and a half years how old is he 38 Okay. So 26, uh, 50, 60, 64 and a half he'll be when he leaves yeah. prison, potentially. But that's well, absolute minimum. Yeah. And it just goes to show, well, he's not safe to let out because, A, he denies ever taking the drugs. So to be let out on parole, you have to admit that you did it for a start. Right. And also, he could just go out and take drugs again. And that's obviously yeah. how he reacts to drugs. I don't think he is safe to be let out. Ever. No. Not at all. You, sir. As long as there's drugs in the world and him in the world. Yeah. And stay in jail. Well, he'll probably take more drugs, but then he'll only murder other prisoners, so... <laughs> or I himself. I mean, I hope he does. And then th that'll be proof that he did this. Yeah. You know? Also, he, he, he tried really it. hard to kill himself. He must have been in hospital after this. 
He right. stabbed himself in the chest five times. He must have been, there must have been a massive gap when he, I like, well, he, was like, like, healed up. Like, he Pointless. was just, like, <laughs> specifically missing his heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better make this look like an accident. Yeah. <laughs> just to the left of that artery. And yeah. <laughs> just to the right of that one. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Anyway, so that's the tale of Daniel Appleton, the absolute well, pipe. <laughs> again, my worst fear, that's what I think of. <laughs> This is the kind of story I think of when I think of if I ever take acid or... This is why I don't take hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah. yeah. In a nutshell. I don't want to um, batter an old lady to death. No. I don't want to tell anyone to scream out the house that they love me and they want to have my children. I might do that anyway with no drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. You can do that. That's You'll do fun. that for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, great story. And so Thanks, my babe. story this week. So I started looking into D.A.R.E. because to me, yeah. D.A.R.E. is just a program that I did in school and yeah. you see the shirt, you see the t-shirts everywhere and it, it was just, it's something that I bet every- they're worth a bomb now. I think, yeah, I think they're like cool vintage shirts yeah, now. Yeah, retro item. Yeah. But yeah, it's just something that every 80s and 90s kid will remember doing when they're yeah. like 10, 11, 12 years old. So yeah, I started looking into it and this is basically just the history of D.A.R.E. Nice. And there's I don't a, know any of this, so. Yeah, I thought, it would, I thought it would be interesting. There's a little, tiny little true crime story in there, not as extreme as Well, somebody as must have done something wrong to kick it off. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'll just get into it. So DARE okay. stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. It was founded in Los Angeles in 1983 as a joint initiative of the LAPD and the Los Angeles Unified School District. And it was a it was a byproduct of Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. Oh, Nancy Reagan. Oh. Like, fucking f- fun killer in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's so much that I've learned about her, too. If you can, I don't know if you'd be able to get it over there, but if you're in America, there's a really good Showtime series called The Reagans, and it's like a four-part series, and it's all about the Reagans and Nancy Reagan. Oh, my gosh. Super interesting how she just built this narrative about herself that she came from a really prestigious school and that her dad was a doctor and she changed her name and she really wanted to be this like high class white woman that well, she married... was the first lady so i guess she achieved it somehow yeah but even before that even like ronald reagan was a uh, an actor and then he got into politics and really i didn't know that Oh really? Yeah, he yeah, no. uh, he was in he was in movies before he got into politics. But Nancy Reagan was just she loved him so much, and really, she, don't they take the piss out of him in The Simpsons quite a lot? I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this this series shows the very big similarities between Reagan's campaign and Trump's campaign, and what they oh, God. built there, and just how similar so she's they like, are. Like Nancy's, like a social climber, basically. Yeah, she is. Oh, a hundred percent. But anyways, so she, so Dare was part of the Just Say No campaign as a drug control strategy on the war on drugs, which was another part of the 
Reagan's dynasty, just the war mm-hmm. on drugs, which was just a huge bullshit thing. Yeah, racist thing. Racist, classist, everything. So, the D.A.R.E. program lasted about 15 years. At its peak in the early 90s, when I was a kid, D.A.R.E. was in 75% of U.S. schools and cost taxpayers an estimated $600 million to $750 million a year. Won't somebody Um, think of the children? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Simpsons quote, if anyone doesn't know that. So the the program involved a police officer coming to a class a few times over the course of a month. At one point, it was like several months that this was happening. Uh, But when I did it, it was basically like once once or twice a week for like a month, I think. Did you get offered a lot of crack, Rachel, in school? Obviously. (laughs) Was this relevant? Like, do you know what I mean? I know. And that's the thing, too. Like, I was 10. I was 10 years old. If you're going to do drugs, you're going to do drugs. Like, (sighs) yeah. I don't know how many people that put off. Well, we're going to talk about that. So, okay. So the police officers would come over the course of uh, a month to talk about the dangers of drugs. Through lectures, worksheets, and children involvement, the topics the police taught were (laughs) self-esteem, assertiveness, role modeling, forming support systems, decision-making, and risk-taking. Okay. Like I mentioned in a previous- All good life stuff. Yeah. But also, it's a cop and- (laughs) You know what I specifically remember? What? Everyone just wanted to ask the cop about their gun. Like that's Oh really? Yeah, nobody cared about talking How many about people drugs. Have you shot? Yeah. And they had their Can gun I hold on them. <laughs> right. Is it loaded? Nobody, nobody it was so I, I remember it being really boring. It was really like an boring. absolute DOS lesson. Like you're like, oh we've yeah. got an hour of this now. Right. There's no grade. Like, you don't get a grade. So there was no point. I wonder what the teachers thought, too. I think my teacher probably thought it was boring. Or she got a break for an hour. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My uh, fifth grade teacher's name, we called her Mrs. D. Her name was uh, Mrs. Deusbieber. Deusbieber? You are making that up. (laughs) I'm not. Um, she was a great Deuce teacher. Diva. She was one of my most favorite teachers. So, Aww. hope you're doing great, Mrs. D. Hey, Miss D. Yeah. So... Loads of my teachers are dead now. <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> I know. Okay. Marsha Rosenbaum, who was head of the Linda- Lynn Smith Center, which was a drug policy reform organization, she wrote her opinion in 1999 at the height of D.A.R.E.'s popularity. She wrote in the Village Voice, and this is like a criticism. She said, mm-hmm. in Dare's worldview, Marlboro Light cigarettes, Bacardi rum, and a drag from a joint are all <laughs> equally dangerous. For that matter, oh, so is snorting up. a few lines of co- <laughs> cocaine. It's true. Like, Dare was teaching you that alcohol, oh, zero tolerance. smoking cigarettes, yeah, yeah. Dru- any kind of drug were all bad. And she's saying, but it's like, like how Christians is- say, like any sex is bad, like anything, right. kissing bad, holding hands bad, yeah. no masturbation, no nothing. Ugh, boring. Whereas, if- <laughs> but 
also it's really important to like at least know about it and to experiment, I guess. On what planet is having a wank bad for you? <laughs> like a bad idea. You're telling me not to fuck anyone and not to wank. That uh, just seems really counterproductive. I know. <laughs> Stay but awake, I mean, but don't go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So yeah, Dare was very similar. It's like, don't drink, don't have one single drink, don't smoke cigarettes. It's evil. Yeah. A lot so, of Christian guilt as well in it, I feel. This is very true. Yeah. just It was just carried over. So the article yeah. also stated, part of what makes, makes D.A.R.E. so popular is that participants get lots of freebies. There are fl- fluorescent yellow pens with the D.A.R.E. logo, tiny <gasps> D.A.R.E. dolls, bumper stickers, oh graduation certificates, D.A.R.E. coloring books, and t-shirts for all D.A.R.E. graduates. And that's true. I, I am I had sold. One. Get me in the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're 10 years old. You're like... Sweet. I get a free Nerf a ball with Dare on it. Fuck off. Get me in there. <laughs> yeah. I bet all so, that stuff is worth so much money. Oh my god, let's Google it. Like when we're I done. Don't, I don't think it is because it was there was just so much of it. It's like McDonald's. Oh really? Uh McDonald's toys. It's Happy like, Meal toys. So, yeah, oh. there's so many of them that they're not worth very much because everyone oh. probably has them in their basement. Well, Say No and Phone didn't have merch. It was Aww. just, they just trusted you to not. <laughs> also, they were like, don't, they were like, don't take drugs, but def- you could definitely finger someone in a sports hall while fucking the witch plays over the like, Here's a sound cigarette. system. Yeah, have that yeah. instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really, it was such a farce. <laughs> yeah. So with all the free stuff, some have commented that Dare was almost like a cult. There are Dare bears. Dare Jeeps driven by police. Uh, again, what? Dare bumper stickers. I'm going to try and find a Dare bumper sticker and send you one. You can put it on oh your car. Oh my god, car. please, Rachel. Please. <laughs> Dare flags were flown over schools. And in Woodford County, Kentucky, a four foot tall just... Dare robot squirrel. <laughs> Rachel, when I come to visit you, I'm going to come off the plane completely decked out with like Dare hat, Dare t shirt, Dare flag, yes. Dare pen, baseball hat, Dare air flag. <laughs> and to anyone, <laughs> you're on the plane and someone's like, oh, what's it? You're like, this is my first time coming to America. And I'm just a huge fan of Dare. I just really hate drugs. <laughs> Listen to episode 68. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go see the four-foot-tall dare robot squirrel in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, that's cool if it's got to do with drugs or not. It's only four <laughs> feet tall, fair? though. Yeah, where is it? I don't know where it is. Someone's got that, surely. Yeah. Just in their backyard. <laughs> surely. So, yeah, it's kind of like a cult with all this merch. And... Paraphernalia. Yeah. So... As part of the curriculum, children were asked to... Okay, this is what I found really interesting, and I have, like, a glimmer of memory of this, of a policeman putting a box up in the school, in our classroom. Anyways, I'll get into it. So, as part of the curriculum, children were asked to submit to D.A.R.E. police officers sensitive written questionnaires that can easily refer to the kids' homes and that a D.A.R.E. lesson called the three R's, recognize, resist, and report, encourages children to tell friends, teachers, or police if they find drugs at home. 
So I do uh, remember that's like a bit weird. Yeah, I remember filling out this form or some worksheet and it was like, do your parents smoke? Do they have cigarettes at home? What else do they have at home? Dude, legal substances are none of your business. Yeah. But also, it's so sketchy. Also, well, I mean, getting kids to rat on people is yes. very, very indoctrinating and weird. Like It is. Yeah. Also, your police oh. do your own fucking work. Right. <laughs> You're just taking the lazy way out. You really are. So, D.A.R.E. officers are were encouraged to put a D.A.R.E. box in every classroom. And I remember this. It was like a little mailbox that they put next to the door. Uh, in which this is students... intense. I know, I know. Ten years this old. This is really intense. Like I did not expect it to be like this. I expected it to right. be like ours, which is like say no to drugs, have a disco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's a party. That was snap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's some free stuff. Yeah. So they put the mailbox into the classroom, into which students may drop drug information or questions under the pretense of anonymi- anonymity can't say that word. anonymity yes thank you <laughs> officers are instructed that if a student makes a disclosure related to drug use the officer should report the information to further authorities both school and police this apparently applies whether the drug use in quotes was legal or illegal harmless or harmful in a number what? of communities around the country students have been enlisted by the dare officer as informants against their parents. Oh my god! Yeah. And, like, uh, Americans have a problem with communism. <laughs> it's so true. It's the like, cheek I'm just gonna of you. slip this little thing, I'm just gonna slip this program into every school, and we'll have yeah. people in jail Oh, America, in no land of the free. Unless, yeah. you take, unless you fucking smoke a joint, apparently, Reagan. um so yeah that's that's the element of true crime in this this story so in the official dare implementation guide police officers are advised to be alert for signs of children who have relatives who use drugs dare officers are first and foremost police officers and thus are duty bound to follow up leads that might come to their attention through inadvertent or indiscreet comments by young children that's the other shitty part it's like even if the kid didn't tell you, if a cop is at well, if in it's your like class, inferred. yeah, and they overhear a conversation between two 10-year-olds that imply that someone in their home is taking some kind of drug, then uh, the police officer should follow up. Dude, rapes and murders don't get solved, and you're worried about two 10-year-olds talking yeah. about their mom having a fucking bong. Right. <laughs> also, also, right. I was watching um American Dad, and is it the girl? The girl in it's called. Is a girl called Haley? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, right. She says on it to Roger, "You could suck a glass dick," and I think she means a bong. It's <laughs> amazing. I love. That. I know. I've really got to start using it. Yeah, so if if a child, if the 10-year-old child says that in class, then the police officer might have to follow up. Fuck it. And kids say all kinds of shit as well. Exactly. And stuff the least they, reliable they don't people. Even know, they don't even know what it means sometimes. Like, honestly, and if that was me and my family, my Uncle Martin is fucked. But, like, 
like <laughs> he is going to jail um but like i didn't know i didn't know um what like being sacked meant like you know when you're like be like in england we call being fired being sacked yeah and i didn't i didn't know what it meant and i overheard my parents saying like oh he's been sacked and i thought it literally meant he's been put in a sack and put in a van and like taken away like in my head that's what i thought it meant that you know what i mean and i was about eight yeah what an idiot yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it just goes to show like yeah yeah i remember i didn't know what the word cheap meant i didn't know yeah and so okay i remember i learned it around christmas time so (laughs) it's just a fucking random word it it is and but I think I was like relating like, it to like what? It- birds or like like yeah, that's fair. like something like that, and I specifically remember opening presents and calling everything cheap, <laughs> <laughs> and my mom getting Paul- <laughs> so angry and embarrassed because obviously it was like a family Big gathering, family. <laughs> and I was like holding up my gift and I was like, "That's cheap," and my mom being like, "Rachel." <laughs> so good just goes to show that kids don't know what they're saying so fucking clue (laughs) for a police officer to follow up something that a 10 year old is saying to their friend is ridiculous it is stupid so as a result children sometimes confide the names of people they suspect are illegally using drugs in october 2010 Two parents in North Carolina faced drug charges after their 11-year-old <gasps> child took their drugs to school and told the school no! officer his parents were breaking the law. What he brought kind of his, drugs? He brought his parents marijuana to school no! when he reported it's them. It's not even like crack or coke or no, anything. No, it's not. It's, it's nothing. It's just weed. It's probably like, it oh, was no. probably like in a little Ziploc bag, probably like not even <laughs> an eighth. Something to just help them get oh by. Oh you'd be so angry. You're like, do you know what I really need now? Some yeah. weed. Yes. <laughs> you really Where is? Me out. Where is my weed? Oh, that's right. You took it to school. Um, oh, little Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, and the articles that were reporting this, they weren't saying like who the child was, whether it was a boy or a girl. They couldn't. They didn't want to give that information out. So. I don't know if it was a little Jimmy or Jane, but uh, both parents were charged (laughs) with two misdemeanor counts each of marijuana possession and possession of drug paraphernalia. They were not jailed and were released on a written promise to appear in court. The 11-year-old and a sibling, however, were removed from their parents' house by (gasps) social services and stayed with relatives. I know. This is what Dare did to this child. He was so serious about oh my god yeah they were so serious about you know impressing the cop or uh you know wanting to do good and this is what happened i've got so many mixed feelings about that my feelings about that are so multifaceted talk about what are they one that's put me off having kids even more (laughs) two like were his parents like good get rid of you, you little fucking rat or were they like <laughs> i've been watching sopranos again snitches or were they like snitches. snitches get fucking taken away by social services apparently yeah. or are they like shit the my and also the other kid one kid dobbed them in and now both yeah. their kids are being taken away 
right. for a bit of weed, you'd be so angry, but so sorry, but so upset. Oh my god, awful. <laughs> but also the the, I mean, I feel like there are some police officers who have some common sense that mm-hmm. if a kid brought this into school and it was like a little Ziploc bag and it was your parents. Also, this is what I find really off about this. A kid could have found this anywhere in the driveway yeah. or in And why aren't your parents clever enough vicinity. to go, I don't know where he got that from. It's not from our fucking yeah. house, little liar. Right. <laughs> Like that's it could have <laughs> been something it. like that. Like the, the kid found it somewhere in the vicinity of their home and brought it to school and was like, "This is my parents. I saw them drop it the other day." Where like maybe they dreamt it. Like how accurate are these children bringing things it- in or telling to a police officer and a police officer to <sighs> believe it and follow up and follow through with it and arrest the parents? It's just so extreme. It really is. Especially when you think of the shit that people get away with. Right. Very irritating. Just go and next also, door yeah, where also, there's someone beating their wife and take care of that. Don't go uh-huh. arrest these two parents who are just trying to oh, get yeah. by. You know that fucking rape kit you threw out? Like, right. <laughs> do you want to fucking just get that out the trash? Yeah, maybe <laughs> process that. Instead of locking, like, well, I didn't lock them away, but fuck me. Yeah. What an uproar. <laughs> A palava. I, and I tried to find out what happened after that. I, f- I have a feeling that even though the kids were taken away by social services, they probably didn't stay away for very long. Like, I'm sure... I hope not. Yeah, I hope so, too. But uh, I Also, Jimmy, really stop out. going through my fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. He probably went to, like, the bottom of the corner of the closet where... Underwear drawer. He's gone through his yeah. mum's underwear drawer. Yes. All you'll find in there is dildos and weed. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great underwear drawer. Uh, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so despite all this, D.A.R.E. was actually a huge fail. Various studies showed that D.A.R.E failed to significantly reduce drug use among participants. Teens were savvy at catching and dismissing clear exaggerations about the detrimental health effects of marijuana, and that helped discredit D.A.R.E.'s overall efforts. In 1996, University of Kentucky researcher Richard Clayton published a five-year evaluation of the effectiveness of D.A.R.E., Using data from 31 elementary schools, Clayton found that any results from D.A.R.E. were short-term. There are, in quotes, limited effects of the program among upon drug use, uh, greater efficiency with respect to attitudes, social skills, and knowledge, but a general tendency for curriculum effects to decay over time. Um, yeah, I think I have a really good example of this, right? So do you remember when yeah. you were in school and, I mean, like, rightly so, like sex ed teachers would be like, if a boy's dick comes anywhere within a mile of you, you'll be pregnant. Yeah. Like, yeah. right. And now, as adults, you know that's not true. Right. <laughs> like, but it took you to get to about, I don't know, 25 to realize that, like, that isn't true. But, yeah. like, so the, that's what they're saying with the dare thing. Like, if, if you smoke a cigarette, you'll fucking die. You're like, right. no, I won't. Like, yeah. It just takes and a while to know, grow up and are... realize that. <laughs> Right. Kids see their parents smoking and they're like, uh, it doesn't seem that bad. And they're all, the, this guy is also saying that 
with the short amount of time that police officers come into school and it's like 45 minutes of one week for a couple of weeks, it's really not going to make a difference. Kids aren't going to learn that much. Um, also, I, I would like to add that drug taking, in my experience, is usually self-medicating for mental problems that are yeah. incorrectly or uh, mm. just neglected, incorrectly diagnosed or not diagnosed yeah. at all. That's right. why you do drugs and that's yeah. why you smoke and that's why you smoke weed because you're sad and you want to escape reality. So really, instead of doing like a fucking dare thing once a week, they should go in and do like counselling. Right. This is how you deal with it when someone's nasty to you. This is how you build yes. up your self-esteem. Like Put this money is, into yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And 100%. there were there were elements of that in dare of like teaching you the confidence to say no if you don't feel comfortable yeah. in a situation, which I do remember that and it was important, but that was just a tiny little element of it. It was yeah. more scare tactics uh-huh. than anything else. Also this. So Research also shows that some anti-drug messages can even lead to more drug use, with teens becoming oh, curious yeah. after learning that, about that certain drugs right. through the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> so didn't even know research, what that was. <laughs> yeah. Research showed that teaching children about drugs with which they have never heard of or have no real-life understanding may stimulate their interest or curiosity about the substance. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God like, damn it. <laughs> hey kids, don't do magic mushrooms. You might see amazing patterns and colors in the sky. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see a, a magical rainbow. Yeah. So parents and teachers also criticized with the minimal, I kind of said this, but the minimal classes that D.A.R.E. provided, only a few in a matter of weeks, the small amount of time that students had to learn about the negative effects of drugs were not enough for it to be long-lasting. So, D.A.R.E. spokesman Ronald J. Brogan, in rebuttal to the criticisms, said in 1999, If you take German for 17 weeks, you're not going to speak German. The critics say that the effect dissipates over the years. No shit, Sherlock. So, there was... Weird analogy, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. He was agreeing with the fact that there wasn't enough D.A.R.E. in schools and that there should be more of it. Uh, he okay. was part of the D.A.R.E. officials that said that the solution to this problem is not less D.A.R.E., but more of it. And they urged cities to teach D.A.R.E. in middle and high school, whereas at the time it was just for like 10 year olds. Politicians on both sides utilized it as a talking point, saying that it would better help the communities and children. Do, do you get in before they've been offered drugs? Because when you're in high school or middle school, you've already probably been offered drugs. But when you're 10, you're kind of too young to understand right. the consequences anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah, a weird balance. But I think it has more to do with like the telling on your parents thing. Like when you're yeah. 10, you're more likely <laughs> that to the do real. that. Right. Yeah, that was the when real the pull. <laughs> yeah, when you're 13, you're like, I'm not snitching on nobody. Um, exactly. Go on. It's like go, my little birds. Like yeah. in uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> so President Clinton repeatedly invoked Dare during his re-election campaign, and I feel like it really was like a talking point for politicians because he said, 
1996 for a speech at a California high school. He said, we can pass the safe and drug-free schools bill and give more funds to more communities so everybody can have a D.A.R.E. program because they work and they really make a difference in children's lives. I think that they just really wanted to pump money into it. And again, mental health, like, yeah. Exactly. It's like misguided resources. Mm -hmm. Even after D.A.R.E. reworked its curriculum in 2001, one of the program's now deleted fact sheets, in quotes, claimed that marijuana- Now deleted? I want to (laughs) know. Yeah. It claimed that marijuana has no medical value, weakens the immune system, and causes insanity and lung disease, which are claims that are widely disputed by health experts. Studies have repeatedly shown that D.A.R.E. was ineffective or that its effectiveness could not be proven. So that was kind of the start of the downfall of D.A.R.E. Uh, With the Mm -hmm. legalization of cannabis in many states and the continued criticisms of D.A.R.E., in 2001, the Surgeon General of the United States, David Satcher, placed the D.A.R.E. program in the category of Ineffective primary prevention programs. It lost much of its federal funding in the years following and was dropped by more than half of the schools it was in. Now, it has been revamped by the very sociologist who deemed it ineffective. I mentioned him before. There's back! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Dr. Richard Clayton. So he he was the guy who did a five-year study on it. Yeah. He was hired onto the advisory board of D.A.R.E., and well, he, he would know revamped it. Yeah. He, so the new program focuses on bullying, cyberbullying, suicide prevention, domestic violence, the opioid epidemic, mass shooting awareness and human trafficking. Oh, God, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of all does sound relevant and intense for 10 year olds again. A 10 year old. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That's more of a like, again, mental health, it's human trafficking. Kids run away. Because they're being abused or, you know, they're not happy at home. Mass shootings, obviously mental health problem. Opioid, again, self-medication, mental health problem. Domestic violence, (sighs) suicide prevention, bullying. Yeah. Those are all under that realm. But it seemed like Dr. Clayton was, he agreed with us. Like that, that's what is needed more than like, don't do drugs, just say no. Yeah, it's like, I'm really sad. What can I do? Well, don't do drugs. Well, what can I do? I don't care, but not drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you do, but don't do drugs. <laughs> Tell on your parents. That's what you should do. So the way in which the new D.A.R.E. is taught is less of a lecture and more of a course on healthy decision-making skills developed through activities played with their peers that builds muscle memory and how they respond in high peer pressure situations. This new program is called keeping it real and that <laughs> is the rise and fall of dare god Drug abuse that's so shit <laughs> keeping it real yeah it, and i was Fuck reading me. about that too about how it was just like a, a cult they're trying to like get in with the culture and get hello in fellow kids, kids. yeah <laughs> Like Steve Buscemi. Yeah, hello, fellow students. I am also a student here. I am a fifty-year-old you know man. I'm keeping it real. Yeah. Piss off, Dad. <laughs> so good. That's amazing. Um, Thanks yeah. for that, Rage. I really appreciate it. Um, what are you doing? What are you doing today? Are you working until like crap o'clock? 
I'm actually doing something different today. I'm being a stand-in on a TV show. What? What's yeah. a stand-in? Like an a extra? A stand-in, it's like an extra. It's like a background person. But a stand-in is like when they are like setting up the camera and they don't want the actors to stand there for two hours or whatever. So they get a stand-in who is like the same height and the same <laughs> uh, hair. Is that like money and... for old rope? <laughs> what? Is it what like... Is it really well paid? It can be if you're in the union. I just do it like every, I, I, this is like the first time I've done it in a long, long time because I need extra yeah. money. But like, yeah, yeah, you just stand there while they set up the lighting. Couldn't they use a mannequin? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They totally could. But sometimes uh, it I'm is I'm not trying like, to put you out of work. <laughs> no, <laughs> you need the cash. But like... <laughs> Sometimes it's also like, say they're setting up for a scene, like there's two people in the scene, then they have the real actor and then they have the stand-in actor and the real actor like does their lines to the stand-in so that they have someone there. Are you going to be working with a celebrity? Um, Possibly. I don't know. I, Do I really don't know what this there? day, yeah, I don't know what this day will hold. So That's so exciting. Will you tell us yeah. next week? I will. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about the show or anything, but... Well, just um, tell me then. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. I'll put that on That's Patreon, so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope um, you have a really fun day. Yeah, what have you got planned the rest of the day? Oh, my God, nothing. Um, I'm watching great. Peep Show, like, all that day. That sounds it's great, too. It's been brilliant. Um, and Carly's just had, like, a four-hour journey with, like, a bus replacement instead mm. of the train, so she is so depressed. Like, <laughs> And also, out. like she's, yeah, we get. Oh, yeah, we're getting takeaway. Um, nice. and also, uh, this Tom fella is here. Um, mm -hmm. the guy with the hot tub from last week. So we are gonna play like Mario. Nice. Oh, also one one more story to end on, right? So, okay. <laughs> you know, oh, you know, I was saying earlier that I uh sold the TV. Yes. Like. I had loads of stuff to do at once on my phone. You know when you're like, right, I need to reply to this person and then I need to look yes. this up and then da da, da. Yeah. And Write like this email. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, um, he texted me because it was collection only. I'm not joking. This old TV, I have picked up lighter full grown men. It is like <laughs> dark matter. It's so fucking heavy. And like I did it on my own, right? <laughs> like, Tom was here and I was like, Tom, are you help me carry this telly and he was like what <laughs> I, was like, I didn't get I did I swear to god I did not get you here just to carry yeah. the tv but like I really need your help <laughs> I was like I would have done it on my own like I did it on my own last night so then like do you have um yeah how heavy is it I would have done it on my own fucking heavy mate it's like I can't think of something like you know like Will's record player how heavy yeah. that is it's like yeah. that it's like a sofa like it's like, like as heavy as a sofa 70s that totally reminds me of when I first moved in with my friend in Minnesota like 10 years ago and we didn't have a TV and she just, I think it was the same kind of thing. Like she just saw this on the street or like some guy <laughs> on Craigslist was sending, no selling it for like, works. He was selling it for like $10. She needed help. It it was, it was like the size of a dresser. It was like the same <laughs> thickness, the same you know, it, it must have been used from to like be so big. They were so big. It must have been from like 1998 or something. Gen uh, Z will never know. Yeah, but she brought it home. We plugged it in, and it was exactly what you would 
expected. The screen was all warped and like the colors no! were off. And that's what we had for like a year. That's what we used to watch TV. I love being like I love stories from when you were young and poor. Like, yeah, it's just my favorite. <laughs> Like, um, anyway, so I'm going to finish this story because otherwise I'm going to go on a complete tangent about when I was okay. young and poor, which is some of my favorite stories. Yes. <laughs> so next time. Um, anyway, next time. So I was uh, texting the guy who was coming to pick up the TV. Just a guy. He was a guy called Graham. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. A middle-aged man called Graham was yeah. coming. And my house is really hard to find. So I was like, park at the Chinese, like, takeaway yeah. that is, like, yeah. just up the hill and I will carry the TV up. Think not figuring out that I have to carry it up a hill so oh, like it no. was really heavy and yeah. we were like dragging yeah. up a hill and um I went yeah yeah anyway um so yeah I'll see you in a bit kiss 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 send and I was like fuck god damn it I was like I've just sent fucking three kisses to this random eBay Graham man like <laughs> and Tom was like well I'd better take the TV out with you now or he's gonna think you're like in there <laughs> And then I was trying to explain to him, like, Americans don't put kisses on stuff. And, like, English people do. Yeah. So, like... It's true. It's true. Although, I do use... I should definitely not put three kisses to Graham, though. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've definitely... I think Americans use emojis a little bit more, like heart emojis and things like that. Kiss emoji, yeah. similar. Yeah, and I've definitely... It's like sending three heart emojis to your boss. Right, right. I was just going to say that. Like, I've accidentally sent an emoji to a work, like a boss or someone like that. Kiss. Yeah. Kisses. 100. XOXO. Little dancing lady. Yeah. (laughs) Graham had the good grace not to mention it. (laughs) Yeah. He He just went, okay, thanks. See you in a bit. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Not going to acknowledge this. No. All right then, my love. I will. I hope you have a really good week and a really good day standing next to a celebrity. Thanks. Tell me how that goes, and I'll speak I to will. you soon. All right. Talk to you next. Okay. Week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Kiss. 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 Love. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Transat Crime Pod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime, and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast. Thanks, bye. <laughs>